Welcome one, welcome all, welcome to another episode of Fan Team Radio. I am your host, Shyam Khan, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Odi Odorizzi. Today, we're going to be breaking down the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix. We're going to be talking about our thoughts on the race and the inaugural Las Vegas weekend. Uh, we're going to be talking about the eventful lap one incident that took place. And uh, we'll wrap up with some of our thoughts on the drivers and construction champs uh, updates uh, following the race. Chris, what's up? Viva Las Vegas, am I right? What? what Viva lost something. Viva lost something. Yeah, what a crazy, what a crazy weekend with a lot of weird ups and downs. Like, weekend started out as a complete shit show, just as everybody expected. Like, chaos from start to finish, and you know, a lot of weird aspects to the to the ceremony, pre-event ceremonies, and things like that. That people were just like, "What the hell is going on?" I remember. Uh, Sam was like sending me photos of the opening ceremony and like the bleachers were just dead empty. There was like literally like 40 people in the entire crowd watching this like really awkward opening ceremony. And it was just so like, uh oh, <laughs> what did Vegas do? They spent a billion dollars or whatever, like getting this together. And all of a sudden it's it's going to just fall apart completely. So, yeah, I was super worried about it. Like and then, yeah, the. All the incidents and in practice happen. Uh, I know you have some thoughts on 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 that because like Carlos uh, tore his car to shreds because the track. Yeah, poor, the, yeah, poor Carlos, man, poor Carlos. But let's take a step back here and let's talk about the poor fans. I mean, yeah. they essentially have a class action lawsuit now going against the FIA for telling them to leave early when they pretty much stayed there the whole day, man. They stayed there the whole damn day. Imagine, Chris, we're in Austin under the baking sun the whole day, and they're just like, hey, guys, a couple more minutes, and we'll get the race started. And then as soon as like the race is about to start, they're like, hey, we got to kick you out. Can't can't stay here. You got to go somewhere else. With, like, imagine with, how livid you'd be. With the amount of alcohol that was at Austin, there would have been a lot of dead bodies around if they had said something like that. Like, lawn chairs would have been flying into people's heads. That would have been crazy. But I mean, Texas... You could carry guns, man. You can't be doing that shit like in Texas. I know that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, know how Vegas got away with what they did. I, I don't. I actually, I think the biggest point here to take, like, why the hell did they start the weekend at 10 p.m.? Like, like when I was looking at the times for these practices and races and quality to start, like, quality was at 2 a.m. my time central, and it was like, what is going on? Which basically leaves no room for error. So. Uh, essentially what happened is what I've been told in my understanding is that the the city had a contract with or F1 had a contract with the city where they had to reopen the public streets and the public walkways and things in such nature to. And so the security team and all the people that were working the event essentially had to leave by a certain time. Not only would they be working over their shift, but they just had a contract where everything had to be reopened. So. Essentially, they weren't allowed to have any staff past a certain time, which meant there was nobody to like serve the guests or watch the guests or security for the guests, ambulances and Bro, all that kind I, of stuff. I, I'm so, I'm sorry, man. As a as a professional event planner, in a place like Vegas, which is a sit, the industry is is essentially event hosting. How do you not reverse engineer a timeline based on things like that? Exactly. Such important, crucial, elemental things to go into a race. Like, how do you not take that into consideration? Especially knowing that F1 races, like, 
don't always start on time. They have a lot of things that you need to account for in terms of, you know, someone could crash, rain could happen. Like, like they know the nature of the sport and they still chose to put it at the worst hour of the day. Like, um, just it, terrible it, it, timing. And it, it was so bad, man. It wasn't even meant for, it was bad for an American crowd. It was bad for a European crowd. I don't know who it was good for. I remember listening to all the podcasts like this past week, all the industry ones, all the fan ones around F1. Everyone that was there, all the it was a common thread, Chris, across all these podcasts. They talked about how they were there at odd times, recording at odd times of the day. And I'm like, this is based in America. I thought it was pretty cool because I was actually out at a bar Saturday morning being able to watch it like at a bar, which is pretty dope. But that's, you know, that's typically not when everyone is going to be watching a race like this. So I don't really know what the methodology was between, you know, but I, I don't know if you're trying to show off the, the flashing lights. Yeah, but what I are they trying like... to solve for? Because we're it's in November. The sun sets at 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. or whatever it does now. So like. What are they solving for? Like the lights are on at seven or eight PM. Like the race could start at nine or eight, and it would have the and you exact know, same. You know the thing about you know the thing about Vegas, Chris. Since I know you were you were a native there, the city looks beautiful in dusk. Also, you don't 100%. need for it to turn hundred percent light or like 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 darkness for the lights to show. Like Vegas looks amazing going from dusk to like night. You know, I was playing Gran Turismo the other day, and like they allow you to select dusk as like an option because you know it's it's a beautiful setting so if they're trying to use the excuse of like vegas looks best when it's like absolutely dark at night start at seven o'clock you know it's daylight savings and i if you can tell i was frustrated by that but chris that wasn't the only thing that frustrated me man what frustrated me even more than that is the disappointing comments that toto made afterwards where he kind of got on up on a soapbox that he probably made by himself uh or sponsored <laughs> that was sponsored by the fia and he pretty much like tore into the the reporters and and almost into the crowd saying like hey this is like you know uh this is nothing this is, this nothing. is nothing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember uh, I'm like, dude, did 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 anyone kind of tell you that fans out there literally probably spend like a small fortune to like at least come to like the practice sessions and not see their drivers and not get refunded? Like, like does any of that sit all right with you, Toto? It's just so hard. Like when, when someone like Toto Wolf make comments, it's like hard because like you want to trust the guy, you want to like the guy, and you want to like hear him out. But the man has so much at stake financially. He has so much interest in not only Mercedes, but directly his stake in Mercedes ties directly into the F1 and the FAA. And it's all interconnected. So like his best interest is like, this is the best race ever. It was actually kind of, that was the one thing that I noticed throughout the whole weekend is how forcefully positive almost every announcer, everybody was the team principals they were always being like this is this is amazing we've put on the best show on earth here and it almost felt just so forceful but like so like i hear when toto was saying what he was saying like i heard him i was like yeah i get it like it's thursday who cares like it's practice we're gonna move on we're gonna go quality the race is gonna be fine like don't worry about it it's just a 
It's just a drain. The shit's happened because it has. It has happened in Singapore. It has happened in Monaco, and it's happened in other races too. This exact incident. Street tracks have street things involved in them. And it's not always perfect. So I think what he was trying to do was just not paint it to Las Vegas specifically, and just say it's not a stain on Vegas. It's just shit that happens in our sport. But be a little sentimental about these people, like you said, that spent tons of money to come see their drivers and got kicked out at two in the morning and did it got to watch nine minutes of fp1 for hundreds of dollars worth of tickets it's you know no, i mean know your but, audience toto uh, yeah absolutely and, and 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 he kind of couldn't read the room really there too because a lot of those reporters are from the working class you know they would be much more adjacent to who are the spectators in those stands than they are to to toto wolf and and to to owners of these teams right so you know we're both cogs in the corporate american machine chris we've been across a bunch of company men and women before and we know how they sound and when toto said what he said it essentially landed on me as like, oh, this is a man that has a position that he's going to get in senior leadership with the FIA once his tenure with Mercedes is over. And you're right. He has a lot at stake here personally. But that doesn't mean that you can't empathize or point out like the flaws in in, in a mistake in or sorry, in, in a mistake that the FIA made and, and, and not at, you know, kind of speak to your audience in a way that empathizes with them, but also, you know, does kind of preserve your ability to, to be in the good graces of F1 and then, you know, really put them in a, in a, in a shining light. You can do all those things. And Toto's typically pretty good about things like that, which is what disappointed me the most. I think I, I thought that if anyone were to kind of come up to the reins and say like, Hey, this is a, is a problem. It's an oversight made by the FIA and by us. It is a new race. We hope you guys can, you know, give us a chance since we have a 10-year fucking contract here and we're about to set up HQ here. Like, and they still don't want to gamble. I don't I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> but like, but I, I thought it was really disappointing. Also surprising, a good surprise was how Max took it. You know, he was kind of the 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 voice of, of of the normal guy uh, saying like, hey, if this were to have happened to me, I would have tore that entire place down. Um, and I hope, you know, that kind of comes in the form of, of the civil uh, class action lawsuit. Uh, I'm really curious to see what the fallout of that is going to be. I mean, but, yeah. they were offered merchandise vouchers as compensation. I would freaking... $200, Chris. Uh, yeah, but like... $200 at track prices or online exactly prices? because $200 exactly. track prices is a fucking hat so <laughs> at the very least a long sleeve yeah at the very least like come on without I mean, tax listen I, I did think Toto reversed his course post-race probably because he was told to uh and he said something along the lines of they deserve compensation really plenty of you Chris huh you reversed his course reversed his course yeah but yeah no like it's just like but I was super happy about like Max. Like Max is this untouchable poster boy, like for better or worse. And he was very outspoken against the whole race, um, the whole time. And he, you know, I did you see his like heartfelt monologue about the love of F1 and why he got into it? Like, uh, I've had multiple people over the last week tell me that that like quote by him made them a Max fan that he wasn't before. Like that he wants like people to enjoy the the racing 
the competition, the things that matter and the reason why the drivers are there. And like, obviously the show has to exist to sell money and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, maybe Max took it a little too far, but I personally, I, you know, I'm a Max fan, but I was super impressed with like his viewpoints on a lot of it. Uh, and it was, I mean, he also, I mean, he also kind of balanced the, the extremes, you know, before, at the start of the week, he's like, this sucks, 1%, you know, race, 99% show. And then as soon as that motherfucker went across the finish line, P1, he's like, viva Las Vegas. Viva singing, Las Vegas. Singing, singing in, in falsetto. So, I mean, <laughs> dude, I'm going to take whatever Max says with a grain of salt, like I do with really everyone else in this damn race and in this organization. But it's, I guess it's endearing with the lowercase e, if I were to say anything about it, uh, to know that Max is kind of, at his heart, a pure driver, quote unquote, whenever he retires, he's probably just going to keep racing like a GTR car. So I get all of that. Well, and, and, you know, I just, I would just like to see Max probably show a little bit more of that on track when it comes to like, if something's done onto him, he will explode. And and we'll talk a little bit more about this because I want to get your thoughts uh, uh, on, on, the, uh, on the lap one incidents is when Max, everything's going right, he's great, he's benign, you know, he's barely even on screen. As soon as he explodes, it seems like the stewards, everyone kind of almost bends over for him because he is the champ. He's essentially kind of dictating certain parts of this sport in a way that LeBron James kind of does with the NBA. Like the, the Lakers have a GM, they have a head coach, but one of the big decision makers on that team is the biggest superstar in the NBA. You know, there are players that aren't even the biggest superstars like James Harden who can go from one team to another team to another team after committing to multi-year contracts, you know, like I say all that to say that, yes, like, is it nice to see Max has the empathetic side that, you know, he's kind of shows whenever things are going right, it's all, all great and dandy. But if you were to really get, if you really cared about growing his fan base, he would probably do well starting to, you know, show some of that on track as well and and really kind of making it to where if something happens to him like if Charles Leclerc were to have run him off that that uh the lap one turn then I would be super curious to see what the fallout of that would be and what Red Bull and Max reaction to that would be right because I don't think it would have been that great I don't think it would have been anywhere near as accepting as what Charles and Ferrari was like so, you know, with that, I would love to hear your thoughts, Chris, on what you thought about that lap one incident with them, the the turn one incident. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, uh, I'm going to, I agree and disagree with you. Like, Max definitely is a hothead. Um, and he, de- you know, just like most people, when it happens to you, it's a problem. When it happens to someone else, it's whatever. Um, but for the lap one, turn one, it's like, it's like, it's so hard for me because uh, we talked a little bit about this before. Like the, this is a brand new track. 
It was the first time that they've started on the track. Uh, the temperatures in Vegas were incredibly low. They were on uh, non-softs, and the the grip was just basically not there, and Max was on the dirty side. So, like, it's so hard. Like, And Max might know this. He might know all that information and, like, play the, you know, uh, the innocent, <laughs> you know, oh, I didn't mean to because he can get away with it because he could just say, oh, the track was, like, whatever. But the it's so hard to determine whether it was his fault from like, I did this on purpose or whether it just kind of happened. I do. I think the problem comes in where Max said, of course I was ahead. And I listen, going back and watching the footage, Max was not ahead at the apex. Like they were side by side. Charles was still ahead a little bit. And then when GP and Christian come over the radio and go, Max, we're confident that you were ahead at the apex. And Max was like, of course I was ahead. And I was like, no, you weren't. Like, that's where it gets a little bit silly and Red Bull, like, strong arms themselves a little bit. But, you know, I think every team in the world does this. I think every everybody tries to take their small advantages when they can. There's a lot of money at stake. There's a lot of procedures at stake, although they've already locked everything up, so I'm not exactly sure what they're fighting for. But, um, yeah. What, like, I mean, I, I mean... Again, I'm just going to bring back to the point that Sainz got penalized 10 positions for something that wasn't even his fault. And maybe there is precedence for it, right? Maybe there's precedence for the fact that, hey, if something goes completely wrong and it's by law against our, you know, rules, then then we're going to follow it. And there's a certain amount of respect I could put into that. And even though it sucks and it happened to Sainz, he, 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 you know, sucked it up and, and put in a good race and, and, and try to gain some positions back. Ferrari sucked it up and then did the same thing. But then the the rules, as I understand it, from, from my interpretation of the last two seasons of watching this and, and, and trying to listen into as much as I can on, on, uh, on just podcasts, TED Talks, things like that, my understanding is that if you don't have the advantage at the apex, both cars go off track and you gain a position coming in from the coming in from back then you give that position back like that that's just a rule but that is that's the not... rule that they enacted like that that the stewards determined that that is what happened that max should have given the position back and the rule book says you get a 5 second penalty like so before if you remember in 2021 like which I think was way better television. And I totally miss these days, even though it's probably terrible for the actual race uh, operations of the race. Uh, when the team principals could call Michael Mossy and be like, Michael, the fuck? Like, stop, give him back the position. And then like, it just goes unravels this chaos. Like, so basically the steward said, you know what? We're no longer involved. Or the, the race director said, we're no longer involved. You guys are big. Everyone's an adult here. You guys, big boys. So you guys could look at your own footage and determine whether you screwed up or not. And then if we have to look at this and we determine that you're wrong, we're going to give you a penalty. If we determine you're right, okay, we'll not do anything. And so essentially Red Bull said, hey, we think we're in the right. We're willing to risk it. Now, I don't understand why they didn't just swap the place back because Max is just going to dare us and pass Charles two laps later and just keep on with it, which would have been completely fine. So I don't know actually what they were playing at, but essentially the stewards agreed. The stewards said, you know, Max, you were wrong. You guys didn't swap the place back. Here's your penalty. Now, you know, whether that penalty is applicable to a guy like Max in that car or like 
a meaningful penalty? I don't know, but you know, you can't, you can't make subjective determinations like, well, Max is in the Red Bull and he's really fast. So we'll give him a 20 second penalty. But yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's not what I'm asking for here. What I'm asking for here is that they have more than enough technology to run it back and realize that one car was in front of the other and dole out a, you know, a, a judgment based on the rules and whether or not Max overtakes Charles in a DRS in the next straightaway, that that's, that's beyond the point here. The point here that I'm trying to make is one is, you know, should, should that responsibility be taken away from the, the race stewards? Like, what are you there for if you're not governing the rules as they, fo- if you're leaving those up to the team, like the, the, the area of subjectivity just grows even wider. Objectivity comes from a third party who can review things in, in, the, in real time because we now have the technology to do so and give you the most fair depiction and the most fair result of what just happened. Regardless, like, like w- what if Charles gets, gets swaps position and then Max is like immediately after like hits a wall or something, right? Like he, he's out for the race, you know, like, and, and, and Charles is, 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 is in P1 and, and, and it's a whole different race. Like you just don't know what the next steps are going to be. So to make rules, based on like what you perceive is going to happen is not like how it's not fair. It doesn't, it, you know, it, you're, you're, you're adhering to these really strict rules for, for, for someone like Carlos, where it was completely out of his purview out of anyone's control. And then to have irrefutable evidence, video evidence of Charles being ahead of Max at the apex and then max still overtaking and only being administered a five second penalty like three four laps later during a a a second safety car like i I don't see where the expediency of that ruling being doled out comes into place what are the stewards even doing if they're just giving the power of this back to to the team like why are they getting paid i mean like i i will agree with you that uh, the one thing that we've talked ad nauseum this whole season about is just inconsistency of their decisions and then the the cadence of their decisions, the speed. Like, I will say that, like, they need to start making decisions fast. Like, like just like you said, who knows what could happen? What, you know, what happens if something happens in those four laps and it would have been completely different if Charles was ahead, so on and so forth. Like, they just need to be very quick about their decisions. If it's something that's very blatant, like, you know, Charles, like before, before they were at turn two, Charles was like, this needs to be looked at immediately. And Ferrari went and put it to the stores and stuff like that. Like you said, it was a couple laps under VSC or whatnot before they got back and gave Max's penalty. Um, so it, that's the part of the sport that I don't like is like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like whenever you watch like American football, right. And you, uh, you do like a replay and you could see that like the catcher didn't have possession of the ball and it actually hit the ground before he, you know, was able to, to have full possession and control of the ball. Like, you know, hundred percent, they're going to overturn that. And you're like, Oh, that's very obvious. He didn't have control of the ball before he hit the ground and he used the ground as to control the ball. And they're going to overturn the catch and call it incomplete pass. 
Like, you know, 100%. And so when you're reviewing that replay of the race and you're like, oh, Charles was ahead at the apex. So, like, why can't the store just look at that and make a decision before they're even on lap two? Be like, swap the place back or whatever like that. That yeah. needs to happen. I mean, and that's what I'm saying, right? Like, if they can put a small camera into every single orange pylon at an NFL game, why can't they put cameras and sensors across the entire track? Like, uh, it, it, is, it is going beyond me. So here's the breakdown, Chris. So that happens in lap one. In laps, lap three, there's a yellow flag a full yellow flag, the second full yellow flag after Norris crash. In lap six is when Red Bull announces that, hey, Max, we're going to be able to keep track position. In the same lap, bro, he, he Leclerc locks up a little bit. Max peels away after that yellow flag with a 1.1 second lead, like almost immediately. And then, bro, it's not until lap nine where they come back on the radio and they're like, hey, Max, we got his five-second penalty, man. And that's where he's like, hey, it's all good. Send them my regards. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, it's, it's Sorry, it's I all love good. Max's humor. So. Hey, man, I mean, Schumacher had it. Like, I'm sure Lewis had a little bit of it. Like, but, and it's not that that gets me. Like, I, I, I totally, you know, he's, he acts like a little bit of a heel sometimes. Like, I get it. I, I really do. My issue is now with, like, the FIA, like, Max is going to use every little bit of a loophole that he can. And and I respect that as a driver. If that's a part of the arsenal, then it's a part of the you know arsenal, right? But at what point does the governing body govern? Like, you don't ever see the NFL. Like, NFL has referees on field, upstairs, in a completely remote office out of New York. All ex-referees looking into certain plays because they know there's a lot at stake here you know and 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 the 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 nature of fairness and parity which you brought Bro, up so many times i don't know enough about traditional sports but i'm gonna go ahead and say not everything is fair all the time <laughs> i mean it's not every single time but when you have a blatant kind of decision to be like yo dude we're we're not even gonna worry about this it's too hard for us to worry about is the sense that i'm getting and if you're getting, if you're putting, you know, billions of dollars to recreate the Hunger Games to start the the Las Vegas Grand Prix, <laughs> and like millions of dollars worth of drones everywhere, you can't just like take a second to say like, hey, let's get a couple of cameras, like slow mo cameras out there, and and you know, make our decision making process a lot more efficient. Um, it, it, hey, look, I'm just a voice speaking into a, a black box at this point, but that was kind of a big uh drawback for me this uh this race was just kind of seeing uh the fallout of of uh that that uh turn one incident uh but some more stuff happened in turn one uh chris uh alonzo took a bit of a of a spill hit uh signs and 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 essentially took botas out uh as well uh, got yeah, some what the hell? His why car. Why does everyone got a problem with Valtteri, man? Like, every time. I feel like he's had the worst luck this season. I know he's in an alpha, and he's kind of checked out of the sport. But why does he keep getting involved? Maybe it's him. I don't know. But he keeps getting bumper card, lap one, turn one. So I feel I feel like him. he's having just a, such a great time in his personal life. Um, he's probably just riding that high. Dude, uh, more power it, to him. Like, you know, hey, man, if I could drive the fastest car in the world, make millions of dollars, have my own vodka line, sell nude pictures of myself, and travel the world with a hot girl. Semi-nude, semi-nude, Chris. Semi-nude. Taste, semi-nude. Tastefully semi-nude. Tastefully 
Yeah. Beautiful he's a family ass man. shots. Yeah. He's a family but, man. But if he could, if he could, and then like, obviously dating like a female athlete, bicycle uh, racer, world renowned, like I'm going to, I'm going to have the time of my life too. So more yeah, power to I him. Mean, yeah, no, no, no love lost for Valtteri. It just sucked that you know he had the best start essentially of the season, uh, and it got completely unwound in the in the first uh, in the first turn. Uh, luckily for Carlos, he was able to kind of eke out of there and still have a decent enough race. Um, a little bit of a tough luck for for Alonso uh, after that. I, I really couldn't tell if it was just like a self error that he made or if there was something wrong with the car. Um, it does seem like it was a, one of those rare self errors that he really doesn't, you know, was atypical of, uh, Fernando Alonso. I mean, listen, like we talked about before, it's just, it's a new track. No one's ever been on it. No one's ever had a race start on it. Like, I think there was a lot of crazy unknown variables and, you know, shit happens. So. Yeah, shit does happen, Chris. Shit does happen. Uh, so let's talk about uh, what this means for our drivers and constructor championships. So the update now being, you know, uh, Red Bulls uh, holding strong at, at top position, not going to be dethroned anytime soon at 822. Uh, the fight for P2 between Mercedes and Ferrari is closing in a lot. Of, you know, Mercedes lost a lot of ground in the past couple of races. Um, the gap is now 392 for Mercedes, 388 for Ferrari. So depending on on how Abu Dhabi goes, that could be a huge game changer. And then the 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 battle for fourth between McLaren and Aston has also kind of closed in after uh, some really good performances from from both uh, Alonso and also our, our boy Lance with the goatee. Um, <laughs> and then on the driver side of things, Chris, you know, uh, I'll let you talk about this a little bit more. But uh, you know, Max has handedly take you know gone into the into the sun with 549 points sergio locked in the uh, p2 position to my chagrin uh now you know we see p3 is up for p contention p possibly uh well actually no i think lewis hamilton locked in the p3 position at 232 points uh carlos signs and fernando alonso are locked in at 200 a pop chris what do you think is going to happen man do you think the, do you think there's gonna be some major shifts in abu dhabi or do, do you think everything's going to stay put and um they're going to finish everything out status quo well before we get to to that point i'm going to bring up a little interesting fact that i just read right before we started and, and hopped on together max has if max gets finishes like i think it's six points ahead of sergio in abu dhabi he will have won the driver's championship in the first half of the season and in the second half of the season. So he'll have enough points to have finished P1 if he only raced the first 11 races or only raced the bottom back 11 races, which is probably the most insane stat in F1. Like, I, I don't know. Max has broken so many records this season. He's created new records, like win streaks, the amount of, like, the amount of, times that i've read a new stupid little fact or whatever about things that he's done this year is insane but the fact that he's won the driver's championship twice in one season is kind of crazy but back to your point um i don't know man for constructors i think ferrari's gonna nick mercedes out of that p2 spot and you know they were p1 for eight consecutive years and then you know very close p2 um and I just, I, I think that time has start to come undone. I think, uh, you know, next year probably be a little bit different, but I think Ferrari is going to outperform. Uh, you know, I think Carlos and uh, Charles are on the up and up. I definitely think Ferrari's on the up and up and Mercedes has kind of seemed to be struggling a little bit again. So 
I think uh, that that small point differential is definitely uh, within the grasp of Ferrari. And then uh, drivers. Yeah, the P4 race. We have 200 for Carlos, 200 for Fernando, 195 for Mr. Lando Norris. And uh, which, if he had finished this race, would have been he would have been locked into P4. And then uh, Charles Leclerc, 188. So they're all kind of within shotting distance, like, uh, unfortunately, I think Fernando's going to lose that to, to probably Carlos. And I think Carlos is going to be that sort of locked-in P4. I have high hopes for him in Abu Dhabi. So, um, yeah, I think ultimately it's going to be a good end of the year for Ferrari. And hopefully, finally, a good start to the year that Ferrari fans can uh, not have a pulling their hair out season next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you, unfortunately. I think Ferrari does have um some momentum going into this next week i think there's definitely uh the ghost of abu dhabi past could be looming for mercedes and and could you know bring up some 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 bad memories um i i think for mercedes to be able to secure the the p2 and the constructors and kind of elbow out ferrari they're gonna have to have a comprehensively good weekend it can't just be the race because if it's just a race, I feel like one of the two are going to do somewhat decent, maybe. But if they qualify well, if they stay away from these five second penalties, that seems to happen mostly to to to, to George. But by, I know Lewis has had a couple of them recently. You know, if they can just put together a good weekend, a good full weekend from qualifying all the, and I, I don't even consider practice because they're just typically not the best practicing team, but between qualifying and the actual race day, if they could keep away from those penalties, you know, be able to use each other as a, as a, like a, as a tandem to, to something that I mentioned really early on in the season is that any shot for Mercedes to have consistent wins is going to probably happen if both cars are in either the top of the grid or second to top of the grid. And they're kind of using each other as a way to kind of slingshot around other cars that obviously has not happened uh, other than a couple of instances. But, you know, in this situation, I think for Mercedes to be able to keep some sort of competitive edge and kind of keep Ferrari's momentum at bay, uh, they're going to have to put together a really good full weekend, not just, com- you know, kind of lay, you know, hang their hat on doing decently uh, on race week on, you know, just race day. Uh I- they're just going to need to foolproof it as much as they can. Uh, or, the, yeah. Or 2021 Brazil and just put a brand new freaking engine in the back of Lewis's car, turn that bitch up to 12 and watch him go from P20 to P1. Because <laughs> I actually think they should just put the W14 in self destruct mode. <laughs> and at the end, yeah, essentially just peel off and just just eject out of the seat like, and just let it run into the fucking wall like at the end what what's and, the risk just just like put a new engine in there turn it to dangerous mode where like everything's gonna go to shit but like <laughs> you know put yeah you just put an eject seat button in there just get them out of there and just put that thing into the wall and hope it never finds itself in the in the light of day i hate that car chris i hate that car i hate that car too and it you know, it makes me sad because I want to see Lewis, you know, stand on the top podium. I don't think like it's like this sport is so weird. I've never like it's like watching a fucking flightless bird go up against like a fucking like 
bald eagle, dude. Like, but like it's is there it's any so other, embarrassing? Is there any other sport that allows someone with massive talent to like seemingly suck? Like, I don't know any other sport like where like Lewis oh, didn't go, buddy. The NBA is gonna have to have a chat with you. Yeah, but like for instance, like the the NBA doesn't give like LeBron James a shitty ball to play with. Like everyone's got the but same. But they do ball. give him a shitty team sometimes, and he's yes, overcome I, that. Yes, I understand that. Why he's, that, the, why he's the goat? When you're when you're throwing free throws or you're shooting threes on your own, like it's still you, and you're still performing. Like you could do like a 24, 36.1 game NBA game or whatever. And still lose the game because your team sucks. But like it's it's weird because uh actually I wanted to bring up this point and I was looking for a good time to do it. Uh you, you know, if you do you do you ever watch a, like American golf like um like and no matter what, Tiger does not do well. I mean, I only really watch Thai golf, not so much an American golf fan. Yeah. I hate you so much, but uh, so, anyways, golf in a sense, like Tiger is not good anymore. He pretty much always is not making. You shut time. your mouth when you yeah. talk about Tiger Woods like that. But he gets the most amount of TV coverage ever. Like everything's about Tiger. He's on the he like he's you know he's like seven over par shots of Tiger. What's he putting? You know, shots of Tiger walking, shots of Tiger hitting off the tee, and he's not even. Have you seen the videos anymore. of Tiger and his son? It's really cute. They're kind of like they have the same like demeanor. I don't even know Tiger but, Woods had a son. But, Who cares about? But him? I'll, I'll, I'll but moving on from that, like Lewis doesn't get that kind of treatment, and he is the best of the best that there's ever been in the sport. I'm sorry, Michael Schumacher. Lewis Hamilton has crushed all your records, and Max will soon do that to both of you. But like, I don't feel lewis get that treatment and like he is he's literally a living legend on the track and i don't feel like he gets the attention he deserves and i mean nor does I he mean, have the I, I don't want to i don't want to state the obvious here chris but there's probably a reason why you know hey buddy he didn't get, don't go there don't go he there. doesn't get the 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 the, the shine that he should well, i be hope getting. that's not it because uh you know i hope everyone I, hopes is not it I, i'm but... starting to become <laughs> a much bigger Lewis Hamilton fan. And I really hope Toto puts some of his billions behind the W15 and throws the W14 in the trash. Cause I want to see an actual fight next year. I think it'll be really good for the sport to get back to 2021. But uh, I forget how we even got on this topic, but yeah, I definitely want the W14 to go in the trash. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think if we're trying to strike parallels here, I, I'll take your, uh, your NBA, uh, kind of analogy and, 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 and kind of put my own spin on it. So I think the comp here, if you're using the NBA is someone like a LeBron James or a Kevin Gar or Kevin Durant, um, or even a Kevin Garnett, fuck it. Like, you know, these one superstar players that are put into a team that doesn't really have a whole bunch of superstars. So not LeBron like in Miami or even now in Lakers, but LeBron when he went to Cleveland and won a title with them, you know, or when Dirk Nowitzki won a title with uh, Dallas or when Jokic just did it with Denver, right? It's these one players that, uh, you know, let's say they're the D1 drivers, right? And they're surrounded by a team. They're, 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 they're top four, which is going to be essentially the car. And then you have the coach, which is his team principal. 
and then you have the GM, which is like whatever the hell Helmet Marco is. Um, so it, it, that's kind of the comp that I would see, right, Chris? So in this instance, if we're using someone like LeBron James, who could be, you know, interchangeable with the Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen in terms of the, you know, the prize possession of a league, right, or of an organization, and the way that support is structured around them, you know, that I, I think is really comparable. So it, in a sense, like, the, the the Lakers completely galvanized behind LeBron in a way where whatever he says goes, you know, and whoever he wants in, they will find a way to go bring him in, you know. Red Bull the same way around Max, and they'll continue to do that. Uh, so I think that to your point earlier where you're like, hey, is there a sport where something like this happens? I would say yes and no, maybe not to the exact same respect as as f1 but if you were to maybe you know conceptualize it a little bit more and maybe think outside the box there are shades of of that in in team sports like 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 the nba and nfl less so the nfl uh but but the effects are, are very similar right it's like who is the shining star how much power and clout do they have within an organization and what are they going to do to dictate you know, if that team, if that team is going to progress and succeed, or if it's just that individual that's going to progress and succeed. So I don't think Max is the individual type, like, even though like some might say he is, I really do think he, his success and Red Bull success is so tightly wound that by virtue of him being self-interested, Red Bull is going to propel. Whereas in the NBA, I think this is where the big difference is with team sports is there could be the risk of uh, a shining star like a James Harden being so self-interested that it could ruin the foundation of what the organization is trying to establish. So Daniel Ricardo, I think, sorry. What? Yeah, I mean, hey, there you go, Chris. That's I actually didn't even think about that until you just said it. So there you go, right? Like there, there's a comp there as well. So I think... Um, I think as we start seeing more parallels between F1 and some of these uh, traditional American sports and the synergy that they're trying to build between both, just going back to the point of parity and fairness, can everything always be fair? Absolutely not. And I think it'd be, you know, uh, uh, it'd be stupid to think that, that, that that's the, that should be the goal, but it should be the aim. Like it should be, if you have all of this technology in place to be able to help you get more parity and 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 bring in and keep an American audience, because all we really know is organizations that look look at the Astros. As soon as like they caught whiff of cheating, you know they pretty much scrutinized the hell out of the Astros. Uh, whenever the, the 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 steroid scandal happened in baseball, they did they took it up to Congress, bro to fucking Congress to get that shit dealt with. It's in the fabric of American sports, fairness, parity. It's what makes gambling like a business here, as opposed to just like a backdoor kind of deal that you do with your bookie, you know? So if you're trying to set a tent pole in Vegas, if you're trying to make that an establishment, you have a 10 year contract there. I, I really do want it to work, you know, like it's just, you you got to start following some of these these templates of other sports that 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 really do make a sport worth watching and worth like investing time in 
Because, bro, if me and you went to Austin and they pull some shit like that on us, I would have major reservations about the next live event that I would pay money to go to, If I, especially if I paid that much money. 100%. Yeah, I, I'm full agreement with you. Um, you brought, I wanted to bring up one extra point that we, we were talking about team sports and how people don't shine and, uh, you know, you got the, you got the lead main characters and you, you brought up a point earlier before we called that I just want to make sure that we get out there to the people and that speaking of team sports, uh, McLaren had a, what, a 1.9 second pit stop and no one talked about it. And it's yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> these it, guys get no recognition, man. Yeah, and Laporte 44, Piastri stop, got a 1.9 second pit stop. I didn't even notice it until I rewatched the the recap of the race. And they just kind of came and went, no pun intended, you know? Like it it it's it's an incredible feat by by the entire team, I'm telling you. Those pit crew, that pit crew there should be getting paid overtime. Could you imagine? Like I get it, like there has to be superstars of the sport and everything like that. But the pit crew are like an actual factor in the race, like set like tenths of a second matter in the sport. And so if you're the difference between a 3.2 second pit stop and a 1.9 second pit stop is massive in this sport. And so like, if you're this team that practices day in and day out, and all you do is perfect your craft and you do a, what would have been a world record pit stop a few months they ago. They not broken their own. Yeah. They would have yeah. broken their own record essentially yeah exactly like, same season same season and like and you get it doesn't even get mentioned on the broadcast and like nobody even fucking knows your name i would be like severely like disgruntled about it I'd be like so who are we the men in black like come on man get, give me something yeah 100 percent. like so i just want the world to know that like as many people that we can get to our our listeners no matter who they are there was a 1.9 second pit stop Give the McLaren a second round of applause for this year. They are, you know, it was Red Bull, the team to beat for a while. I think McLaren has the best pit stop team. And at least Zach Brown is, uh, you know, feeding them a little bit better this year. So, yeah. I mean, since we're calling out a couple of things that went unnoticed, another thing that I want to call out is Sign's complete disregard of his team's uh, radio being like, hey, can you please just take care of the car? And he's like, nah, fuck that shit. I'm going to go do what I got to do. <laughs> like, it just goes to show you, Chris, and we talked about this, how this the difference between a Charles Leclerc and, and, and a Carlos Sainz mentality. You know, both seem to work for Ferrari. Maybe they do need to kind of encourage that a little bit more, right? For, for their own organization's sake. Uh, I was listening to... Um, uh, off the grid episode with uh, Freddie Vasseur. And, you know, as a Frenchman coming into a fully Italian team, you know, Chris, we talked about is the homogenous nature of Ferrari's like Italian culture, something that's, you know, definitely fuels their, their, uh, the, the culture, but also has some drawbacks to it. Maybe they do need some fresh perspective coming in and being cycled in to really help them reach more optimal performances and, 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 and compete year in, year out. And I think having, you know, someone like Fred in there, who's a Frenchman, but, you know, has a, a really technical background, because, you know, uh, he mentioned that team principals come from all walks of life. You know, you guys have that are from finance, people that are from like uh, more of like just the business operations part. Some of them are more engineering based, but they all tend to really love uh, 
just racing and there's no one profile that kind of fits the the perfect uh, team principle. So I think what you mentioned about Ferrari being on the on the down on the under on the upturn uh is probably fueled a bit by the changes that Federer Vassar has been implementing at the start of his tenure there and we're now starting to see kind of the fruits of the labor. So definitely, you know, want to see Carlos remain the bad boy of of the team. Uh, don't mind seeing Charles be the 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 goody two shoes if if it means that he's placing you know in in P one P two. But yeah, another thing I want to call out is just you know uh, shouts to to Carlos for for just telling his pit crew to fuck off. Yeah, I mean that's what made me fall in love with Carlos is like for the last two years he's been given instructions and he's been questioning it. He's been like, why would we do that? No. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's the wrong call. And he's been kind of engineering himself from the cockpit. And I think that's the right call. And I think that that's why Carlos has been sort of outperforming Charles in a lot of respects. Um, Even though I do think uh, Charles is a better driver on paper. And I think that if Charles was, is he though? I, I, is he though? I think, I don't know, man. I I feel like that's also up in the air. Maybe, maybe. I, the around one lap of qualifying pace there's like almost no one better than charles he is kind of insane he's a generation of talent same as oscar same as like all these guys who like won their first season all these sports kind of a god of you know being a driver he hasn't really proven it but he's also you know has max in the way obviously and lewis in years previous but i think that if charles was a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more bad boy attitude that he would, you know, but you have to understand his background too. He came from a poor bringing. He's like kind of made it. He works for Ferrari and like, he's on the top of the top and he probably doesn't want to ruin it. So he wants to play the the team game, but you know, it's not going to win you championships sometimes. So, but you know, props to Carlos. I really like the guy. I like both guys. I think they're both suited for the team and hopefully, hopefully, the the effects of Friday Brasseur are actually starting to show, like you said. Speaking of that, do we still not know if we have a team principal for Alpine next year? I know there was rumors of Matia for a while. And I, I mean, I think Matia is going to take that Audi contract. Yeah, um, maybe. I, know, is is he, it just going to be Ryan Reynolds leading the charge at trackside next year for Alpine? I, I mean, it's either him or the cast of Always Sunny. At this yeah, point, they, they they have a better chance of getting those guys up front. Although Alpine, you know, they, they didn't have the worst race this week. Uh, let's talk about that actually a little bit, Chris. Let's let's go into um, our, our winners and losers and, and hotsies. I think I think we'll be able to cover those guys on there. So uh, it looks like you already have uh, Ocon on your on your winner. So uh, let's start with you. Who do you have for your winners and, and why? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, Ocon and Stroll. Uh, I think they both benefited from that kind of uh, the lap on chaos, but they, you know, they came from, uh, you know, further back in the pack and finished really strong, had really good races, um, you know, so they were able to sort of like really capitalize. And and that's what being a good driver really means is like being in the right place at the right time, making the right decisions and, uh, and also putting the car where it needs to be. And they both had really good races, like, you know, Esteban, what finishes P4, uh and you know stroll p5 like coming from back of the pack of the starting of the race like those are amazing results like obviously some people benefited from the safety car some people benefited from getting positions on the lap on chaos uh but being able to maintain those 
uh, and having good racecraft, and especially on a brand new track, um, you know, what you know couldn't have gone better for those guys. Yeah, uh, I'll double tap on both those guys. So Esteban, you know, just a quick breakdown of the the race uh, as we got into kind of the second half, going into the end of the race. So there is a point uh, in in lap thirty four where they're essentially him and Gasly are just trading blows almost, right? And they're going, they're competing for P five, P six, and over the radio, the you know fan team or sorry fan team, the team radio, they came in and pretty much was like, <laughs> hey, hold your position. And so at this point, you know, Ocon kind of takes that 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 that, or I believe uh, Gazi is, is takes the takes the the, the P five spot, but then Ocon gains it back again and keeps it. Gazi falls back a little bit, especially in that straightaway, which actually is super fun to watch. Uh, the 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 battle that took uh, place on that straightaway, and Ocon was able to retain that fourth position. Just really good driving from him. Just incredibly solid, especially avoiding a lot of that muck in the first part of the race. You know, really capitalizing on the three uh, uh, flags that came out, and just a lot of a lot of good energy from Ocon. Same thing from Stroll. I think he had that Michael uh, that Michael Scott uh, goatee on, which I think really did help his performance this week 100%. um you know i think he should keep it on going to to wimbledon next year uh maybe it'll help him in his tennis career as well but you know i don't know what he did i'd love to break his race down for you a little bit more but quite honestly i really don't know what he did to get to p5 this week but hopefully it has to do with facial hair because i'm a big fan of facial hair um so hats off to lance stroll as well it might be a little bit too little too late uh given the fact that his dad sold uh his shares away in the team um and then i'm actually going to round it out with charles leclerc uh look i mean should it have been p1 i already talked at length about this early on in the call uh i think so but he was able to bring in a P2, get an astounding overtake on Perez uh, in the last lap, which just made for really great, uh, you know, television. You know, you got the Beebs over there waving the flag to get them all in. So I guess that part of the Vegas race was really, really exciting. Uh, so if you were to distill everything down, that that overtake that Leclerc had uh, on uh, on Perez at the end was probably my most exciting uh, part of, of the race. And I think I mean, Leclerc deserves to be on the winner's circle. This, he this launched week. in front of Perez from like halfway down the straight. I just think in that moment, Perez is probably like, I got this. It's all good. And here comes Charles. Was like, yeah, 100%. And I think that's Perez has done that constantly throughout the season. Yeah. just kind of let his guard down or just sort of expects I'm in a Red Bull and like they're going to let me go. And remember when he was just like running into like four different cars in a single race, just like, yeah. So, but yeah, Charles, that turn, that pass, everything totally. Actually, actually something that, that I wanted to get your thoughts on Chris and, and something that is, I think worth mentioning specifically on this track is turn 12. Turn 12 is uh, where George essentially ends up making contact with uh, with Max. Uh, I forgot which lap it was, but, you know, both cars take damage. Max somehow miraculously finishes the entire race P1 with damage on his car. Uh, George, you know, has a lot of floor damage that he has to, um, I think it's lap 25. And then in the same turn, again, in um, in lap 43, Charles goes off the road slightly, trying to kind of battle with Max and Checo. 
leaving you know room open for Checo and Max to overtake him, and then he had to miraculously kind of come back and get P two. But what are your thoughts on that? That that turn twelve. Do you think it's something that should be kept as like an inherent challenge that drivers now know about and should be more careful of uh, when they approach this track, or do you think there is a structural uh, there's an opportunity to make like a structural change to it that would enhance that that um, turn, probably make it a little bit more smooth, make it not so um, make it to where you know the blind spot for the drivers aren't isn't so heavy. Uh, what, what's your thought about that turn specifically? this is my thought on the entire race the entire track everything involved is the same answer to all of it it's too early to tell like and on top of that i think like everyone talked before the vegas race about how cold the track was going to be how there's going to be no grip how it's going to be dusty it's a street track all that kind of stuff and i'm like like so what like these are the best drivers on planet earth they should be the best drivers on planet earth in all conditions not just in the perfect weather and the perfect window with the perfect grip and all that kind of stuff. I want to see these challenges a little bit. And I want to see them put in situations they're not used to. Uh, I thought turn 12 was interesting because like obviously high speed corners are like obviously more fun to watch and they can be more technical, but I think turn 12 was that turn with like the little jart out on the right side where like they were basically almost hitting the wall every single time. And I believe I, that's where Lando actually had, uh, if I'm not mistaken. No, 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 sorry. Lando had his at, at turn three. We'll see. But but really similar setup to where there's a runoff like barrier. 100%. But I, I, I'm I fine keeping it. I want to see another race on the, you know, the same or similar track without making too many adjustments because, you know, I think we're in a situation like where we were with the first year of Jetta, right? Like the first year of Jetta was insanely exciting because it was a brand new high-speed street track it was close walls there was a lot of you know uncertainty about how the cars would perform what the track would be like i remember the first year in jetta they thought it was going to be the worst passing track in history and then it was a great passing track and it was a great race the same thing happened in las vegas but as the years go on and people learn the track more and people figure out the braking zones and the grip levels and how to set up the car it gets a little bit more you know, standardized. So I want to see what happens next year. I want to see how they run the track. Maybe they all do different setups. Maybe, um, you know, they take the the turns a little bit different and they don't lock us up, lock up as much and stuff like that. So I'm not sure. I, I'm fine with it. Like, I want to see a little technical. I want to see people tested. Like that lockup of Charles means like he didn't break correctly and the others two did and they got passed because of it. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but I'm fine with it as is for now. I think testing the drivers and their prowess is good. Um, I do think the track could be improved a little bit across the board, but you know, I think it's too early to tell where that needs to happen. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. I think there's uh it's an interesting turn. Uh the fact that there are two things that kind of popped off there that are both noteworthy noteworthy uh is is something that is an interesting point to keep your eye on i i also agree with you i think that the track did lack a little bit of character i think four straightaways kind of it seems like a box seems like they almost built a track around the uh attractions in vegas more so than you know aiming for the most fun uh track race to watch maybe those that track 
that option would have gone around some boring looking buildings as opposed to the sphere. Do, dude, um, do you want do you want a, a good track or do you want the sphere, man? The sphere, like all those promo shots, all the odd track shots, the sphere, man. Like my, my wife, the whole race was like, I want the little yellow guy with the helmet on the whole time. That 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 little yellow guy is sinking them to a hundred million dollar debt uh, in, in this past earnings uh, quarter. So so hopefully, you know, they got some of that back by uh, by virtue of, of being in the Formula One uh, kind of diaspora i i don't know uh it's too, i agree with you it's too it's too early to call um but i definitely want to 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 highlight the the, the turn 12 just because it was so interesting to kind of see um that that setup and 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 see if there's going to be any uh revisits for, for for that in the in the near near future um let's talk about uh, yep do you have any, any other say, on your on note about the box like i think the biggest detriment in F1 right now, but it gets exasperated and enlarged when you have a track like Vegas is without DRS, this track or the sport is probably dead. Like, like imagine Vegas without DRS and like, she's driving. Oh, that... Like God, that suck. We had almost a record number of overtakes at Vegas. There was uh, the most overtakes in a race in a very long time. But I, it would have probably been zero overtakes without DRS. So, like, you know. No, that's like playing Mario Kart without any of the, like, special power-ups. It's like literally just playing Mario Kart without any any kind of, like, special power-ups. You know, it's just boring. Like, if you don't get first, you're never going to get first. Exactly. Uh, it's, so, it's uh, yeah, DRS definitely, especially for this track, it's, it's absolutely needed. Like, yeah, so I hope we can find a way to engineer the tracks and the cars where we can get back to pure racing. Um, but... You know, it is what it is for now, and uh, maybe we could have another discussion sometime about uh, about that and how they could make some adjustments, maybe do a reverse DRS or limit the amount of times they can use their DRS, but who knows? But, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go into losers for the week, Chris. Uh, it seems like we have a couple of overlaps. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about those overlaps first. So, we both have Norris and Botas. Uh why don't you start here? What are your thoughts on Norris and, and Botas? Obviously, I mean, you know, tough races for both, but but what do you think went, went sideways for them? And we, we already talked about Botas a little bit. Like, I think it's just been, like, kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. Obviously, if you're if you're qualifying at the back of the field, you're going to have uh, more chances of being involved in lap one turn one chaos. Botas always is like a magnet for this stuff ever since Hungry Bowling incident. He just keeps running into things and just kind of seems like it happens to him more often than not. It's probably a little bit of his own fault not being able to avoid. Um, like, you know, you have to be able to avoid chaos, be a defensive driver a little bit, but he just keeps finding himself with these incidents and he's in a bad car. So, like, he was nowhere land. I think there was one point in the race, he was like 30 plus seconds behind in like last place. And I was like, what is it? Like, just retire the car and go have a fucking drink, man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. So, this guy needs to, you know, I hope. I have a feeling is you know next year will be his last year in the sport. I, I don't know if we'll make it over to Audi or if another team will pick him up. You know he's kind of at the end of his tenure, so uh, hopefully he'll be able to have a little bit better year. And then Norris, man, I think I actually think Norris. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if there was ever an official answer, but I think it was just kind of a result of that cold track. Uh, there was a couple spots on the track that were a little bit bumpy. And I think what happened is he bottomed out his car, lost downforce, and the car just completely lost control at uh, 200 plus, 
you know, miles per hour. So I, I think you're just kind of super unlucky. Um, hit the wrong thing at the wrong time. His car just kind of lost control and had a big shunt. I actually didn't, they didn't talk about it at all on broadcast, but uh, Lando ended up going to the hospital. Like he went to the med center and, you know, he was shaken up enough for them to send him to the hospital to get further checks, uh, which I they didn't mention at all during the race, which I found out later. And uh, yeah, it was a super big shunt, kind of shaken up. I think he's okay, going to be racing in Abu Dhabi. But ultimately, I think it just kind of sucks because, you know, for the last few races, he's been doing really well, putting him. And it would have been nice to have another car in that fight between Sergio Max and Charles. It might have been a little bit more, even crazier than it was at the end of there if uh, Lando had stayed in the race. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad Lando's okay, uh, mostly because, you know, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but also I don't want anyone to get, to get hurt in America. Uh, you just really can't pay that medical bill really yeah, easily 100%. here. Uh, but I, 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 what was interesting is because these cars are real-wheel real drive, it seemed like the s- similar kind of effects happened on Alonzo's car that happened on Norris's car, where... Maybe maybe it was due to the fact that it was it was a colder track and it, it was hard to kind of get the 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 tires to get sticky and and, and warm, um, and you know when you try to peel out and turn at the same time, Charles actually man I don't know if you recall he almost spun out too during like just trying to warm up his wheels during the safety car and yep. he called it out too he's like I almost spilled there and his team was <laughs> like um okay uh, <laughs> let's not do that again um, so I think it, it's probably an issue that persisted across all cars. It just so happened that Norris caught the, the worst end of it and, and going so fast into that turn. So uh, happy to hear that he's okay. But yeah, definitely uh, not the, the the weekend that he wanted, especially with uh, Piastri just not really being able to, to do a whole lot as well. Um, and, you know, it, it was just really unfortunate. Uh, Valtteri, uh, again, really sucks. He started off so well. Uh, the best grid position he's had all year, and it kind of just went to waste. Um, I put Alex Albon out there. Um, I think he was in position to to get uh, up into the points. I believe he was slightly out of the the points uh, in in P twelve. Uh, you know, he I'm not entirely sure what happened, Chris. On on lap forty, he gets overtaken by Russ, Signs, Alonso, and Hamilton. Goes drops all the way to P twelve. Um, I don't know if it was like a car issue that he just had going on or if it really was just like an on-track issue. Um, but I, I'm assuming that there's something that happened with this car that maybe degraded performance a bit, especially going into the last uh, couple of laps. Uh, you know, th- these guys had, the Williams had such good straight line speed uh, on this track. Um, and I guess I would also add Logan Sargent onto that as well. Uh, you know, do started... I think P P four right, Chris. Where did he start? This man started qualified really high up. Um, P seven ended up in P sixteen. So it it definitely, you know, all the the hoorah we kind of had about Logan going into this weekend just really uh, kind of got deflated. Um, but I see that you have him on your list as well. So, uh, but it's not on the losers or winners. So it's on the hot seat. So let, let's talk about it. Who? What do you think happens to Logan Sargent now? What do you think is the future for him? Uh, do you think James Val's kindness and, and altruistic demeanor will allow Logan to stay for a little bit longer? Do you think that 
there's someone that that they're eyeing or should be eyeing to to come in and and replace him for next year, especially with the fact that the Williams car is really picking up uh, performance. What's your overall thoughts on what 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 we do with Logan now? And we meaning me and you, Chris, because we we control this shit. Yeah, uh, send him to the gallows, man. Uh, you know, like we fucking. He, he he qualifies P7 right behind Albon and like is a glimmer of hope. Obviously, we know that Williams is good in a straight line. And so maybe he has a little bit of advantage on the track, all that kind of stuff. But you know, to qualify that high is is really good, right? You still have to put the car there. And there was a moment at the early stages of the race where he gets he gets overtaken, but then he overtakes back. Uh, based on straight line speed alone and i was like oh shit logan is like he's actually gonna do it like he's gonna get some solid points and lock in the seat for next year he's gonna get like top seven top six top five and he's gonna show the world that like he can actually make some good points gonna finish up there high and then like a couple laps later after his his re-overtake he got like a triple overtake on him and just kept falling Behind, behind, behind. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, James, if you sign this guy, you're just, you're dead to me. So I, I think he's just done. I, you need to be done. Like you've had a full year to progress and show your talents. And I just don't think he has it. And not only does he not have like the raw talent that needs to be honed, but he's not like an experienced driver that can like help shape the team. I doubt Logan is like talking about how to make the car better this is the steps that we need to do. Like Logan is trying to like figure himself out. And so I just don't think he's providing any value. Like for me, he's not, you know, like look at someone like Nikita Mazepin. Like he's obviously awful. He's terrible for the sport. He's one of the worst drivers, but he probably brings in a bunch of Russian dollars. Probably like has a Russian fan base, all that kind of stuff. Like even if it is at, you know, forced by the you know gun to people's heads or whatever but hey like, man the kremlin kremlin gets fans and, and they, get but butts, like no, they get butts in the seats nobody is watching in america for logan nobody like daniel is more of our hero than logan is so it's like what is he doing in the sport so i i, I think he's just done and in to your question about who williams should be eyeing for the seat unfortunately and very sad for both the business world and F1, Nick DeVries was just signed to another, I think, Formula E team. So I think he he already gave up his business dreams. And, uh, you know, I guess he won't be returning to F1. So Nick DeVries is off the table. That's very sad. Oh, I thought uh, he was at Harvard doing some sort of... That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, he was like, I'm retiring and I'm going to go to Harvard. I'm going to go to business school, all this kind of stuff. And now he's already back in the fucking former electric car. So whatever. I have so many jokes to make about that, but they're all mean hearted. So I'm going to keep him in. Yeah. So... Um, I, I don't know who, I don't know who, uh, they, I, I think we give, you know, one of the F2 guys a shot, like a Drogovic or, you know, PHO Fittipaldi or, uh, although I think maybe he just in IndyCar or something like that now, but, you know, give some, one of these up and coming guys who has like proven raw talent, not someone who finished like middle of the pack in F2. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, it's not like we have a big pool of American drivers to kind of pick from, but I would love to see an American in uh, F1. But if it means that it's going to be someone that is kind of lackluster, doesn't really have any kind of, you know, not just 
just on track talent, but also everything that surrounds, you know, there's only 10 of these guys, Chris, there's, there's only 10 of them, like at any given time in the world, any season, like you, there, there should be no reason why every single one of them doesn't have like more than like a hundred million followers, like on Instagram and and then things like that, you know? So if marketability is not even there, then what, what are you really bringing? You know, like Alex Alban has a great social media presence. He has a really pretty girlfriend. He like has just a really good like story that like people know about. So even if Alex like were to not perform as well as he does this year, uh, people would still, you know, gravitate towards him and buy his merchandise and like really like be you know be in his camp uh same very similar to how you know you and i are still like valtteri botas fans like it's not like he is the most naturally talented person on the grid he's probably far from it but you know everything that kind of surrounds the lore of valtteri botas is what keeps us around as fans everything that surrounds the lore of a danny ricardo is what allowed us to like you know gave red bull enough to 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 you know to to bring him back but also gave his fans something to chew on even when he wasn't in the in the in the sport like yeah i just don't think logan really hits any of those metrics um so so yeah i i have him on my hot seat this week as well uh i don't think his future in williams is going to be completely done starting next year but i think there is a, a higher chance of him losing a seat halfway through the year or or at some point during the break next year uh if this continues so you know i do think james Valls is going to extend his kindness a little bit more but uh i think the overall tolerance for logan Sargent has like depreciated tremendously uh over this year maybe, maybe the uh, merch voucher that all the fans were given was stipulation was only could be spent on logan Sargent jerseys <laughs> In which case, you could buy a hat and a long sleeve T-shirt. Yeah, because they have an abundance of stuff. I was just like, when you said that, I was like, who's buying Sergeant? Who's buying Sergeant jerseys? Uh, I mean, if if they had a Lance uh, costume that came with the the Las Vegas uh, goatee, uh, I'd rock it. Yeah, you just need a helicopter to to take from one place to the other 1.5 miles away <laughs> i don't know if you know yeah. that he like he like uh, takes his helicopter like from his hotel to the track <laughs> i mean dude the, the man's got a hurt wrist chris leave him alone he yeah, you true. know he can't drive around right like he can only save driving for when it's needed so i get it all right chris let's take us out man uh what do you got for 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 next week who are your predictions well, my biggest prediction is that the race is completely pointless. It's not going to really matter much, although there is a couple of little races going on. But like after Vegas, after the hype of Vegas, the season over, the championship is done. I just like, what's the, like Abu Dhabi is like very the very polar opposite from 2021. Like there's no stakes. It's just a race and it's like kind of a boring track. So I don't know. But my predictions is, Max finishes with a broken car in Las Vegas. He, you know, he's going to win. So, like, if Max doesn't win, it's because a meteor hit the earth or something like that. So, um, and then I'm going to have the return of Lando uh, putting his car back on a car on a track that he knows. And uh, hopefully he doesn't spin out and crash himself into another wall. But I think he's going to get another podium. And then I'm going to put my bad boy signs we talked about uh, on the podium. And I think going to solidify that Ferrari P2 in the championship and uh, solidify Carlos as the 
potential new D1 driver at Ferrari next year. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, uh, I also got Verstappen and Norris up there. I think Norris is going to make a really aggressive push to make a comeback. I don't think uh, back-to-back disappointing weeks is something that Norris is, um, you know, is common for Norris. So I definitely see him coming back and, and making a big, uh, big splash. Uh, and I'm going to round it out with Perez. Uh, you know, Checo seems like he's in a better place now, probably in a less stressful place, knowing that he's locked in P2 um, and, you know, or closer to locking in P2 than than he was earlier. Uh, and I think right now that pressure is off of him, the metrics that he needed to meet to satisfy whatever the hell Helmut Marco was saying earlier, he's done. So, you know, does that put him completely out of hot water? No, but I think if he were to get P3, um and push real strong uh to finish out the the season you know i think they'll they'll give him some grace did you by the way speaking of press did you did you see that clip that this perfectly encapsulates the las vegas race for me in like one clip did you see the clip with perez and bruce buffer on the track no no i don't think so 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 bruce buffer is like it is like full-blown like super crazy flashy suit with his ufc microphone and like it's like pre-track ceremony stuff and bruce buffer's just standing there introducing different drivers and he's like he's like multiple race winner grand prix red bull driver sergio Checo, just like yelling at the top of his lungs and like going that ufc craziness and while Perez is standing like inches from him and just kind of sitting there, and like Bruce Buffett is like screaming at his face, and then Checo just kind of like doesn't react at all, and he's like, "Where do I go now?" And like just zero what do I do with my hands. Like, <laughs> usually when the UFC are being introduced, like these guys are like hyped up and banging their chest, They're like yeah, Bruce, I fucking love Bruce. And Checo's just sitting there like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was like the most awkward introduction response ever and jack was like i don't know what to do now (laughs) i mean it's again it's trying to really force a a a square peg into a round hole here you know they if i were to put one word to this weekend it would be shameless yeah yes it would be shameless uh across the entire fia what they're trying to accomplish by any means necessary seems like the approach that they're trying to take, although I wish they would have taken a different approach and gotten even better results out of it. Uh, I really do hope that they get sued up the wazoo. Uh, I hope that they have to pay not just $200 for stupid fan merch, but that they have to pay back all the ticket pricing and then some for next season to incentivize these fans to come back. Um, I think that Toto Wolf should formally walk back what he said and say like, hey guys, I, 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 misread the room uh that's not you know uh, what i meant to say uh obviously none of that's going to happen obviously if the money is there uh f1 is going to be as shameless as humanly possible to get that dollar uh and i think that they'll keep making excuses until the run until the well runs dry at which point they'll be like all right now what do we do to get these guys back in seat um I don't want to be a pessimist here, but it seems like that's the kind of uh, hat that this that this organization's leadership wears, uh, and and they 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 seem to not care too much about it. So I don't care too much about calling them out on it either, Chris. Um, hey, let the damn fans watch from the bridge. Quit shutting that down. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It's 
I'm just kidding. But it was just <laughs> These like, guys are shameless, bro. I like, did you see those videos with the security guards like yeah. yelling at people? Yeah, I'm gonna keep moving, and I'm like. These guys aren't gonna listen to you. Yeah, I was like, what what are you getting out of this? Like, like, wouldn't you want people to come watch? Like Yeah. No one showed up to those stands. You know, like it's it's um I don't know. I, I'm just gonna chalk it up to test year. Thank God you and I did not make the, the trip out there to, to go. Uh to all or the spend fans. Five grand on tickets that were one grand a week before the race. <laughs> yeah, so to all the fans that got gypped, sucks. You know, hopefully it's a lesson learned. Hopefully the FIA gets their shit together. But I think you learning your lesson is going to happen a lot quicker than the FIA changing whatever the hell they're going to do. So, so yeah, if you're into A minus B plus list uh, celebrities and being near them but nowhere near them, uh, go for it. Go to another Las Vegas. That was another thing. Like I thought, like they kept saying that it was like a star studded track like there were so many big stars and like i've seen way bigger stars at like you know monaco and silverstone like they kept panning over to like rihanna and like you know a quick shot of like david beckham Beckham. yeah and i was like where's where's the super a-listers it's freaking las vegas and i didn't even see like some of the residents of vegas who like live there and superstars on trackside. So I think people just ultimately knew it was going to be a giant shit show and maybe stay as far away from the insanity as possible and see what happens. But yeah, I mean, they kept reshowing the, the, the people that were, I guess, quote unquote, a list, like maybe like a shack or something like that. But those guys are at every single race, right? Like if you show me Shakira one more time, I'm like, it, it does nothing for me, you know, yeah. like, like, and Chris, like we, we worked at CAA, like, like we, we are, I guess, our level of no, identifying, like, maybe like below, you know, B, C list, like celebrities is, is not that bad. Like, like if we saw someone that was maybe a little obscure, we'd be able to tell kind of who that is or a project that they might have been on in the past. Bro, there are certain people that were on the Instagram feed that of F1. I had no fucking clue who the hell they were. 100%. Like, like, like they show Rod Stewart like seven different times. Like, I was like, I thought he died. <laughs> uh, but, but like, it's just, I think you're absolutely right. I think they try to veil as much of it as they could with like this extra frill and like a really heightened, like uh social media stance. But if you were to maybe lift the curtain a little bit, maybe if we were there in person, Chris, you could probably see where the imperfections are, you know, and, and pretty, probably pretty blatantly too. Um, so again, I want this to work, man. I really do. 10 year contract. They're trying to set it up as a HQ. Um, uh, I hope it works out for, for, for us since I don't want to keep coming back every year being like, Oh, fucking Vegas. You know, I don't want that. I really do want us to be like, Oh shit, Vegas dude. Like we should really try to catch, catch it this year or next year. You know, that, that's how I want to feel about this. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I want to go next year. I want to like, you know, I want them to work out the kinks. Maybe, you know, if they can improve the track, if they can get the logistics down, like I'm down to go if the, if it's not $10,000, like, like I want to experience like a fun weekend of just like, you know, excitement and high energy and maybe the championship comes down to Vegas next year, all that kind of stuff. Like, I think it would be great, but they definitely need to work out the kinks and like stop forcing it down people's throats. Like just let it be good for its own. Yeah. I don't think they know how to do that, man. I don't think they they, they know how to do that at all. I think they only know like, Hey, what's going to bring the most money, especially in a place that's hosting 
uh, some of the biggest boxing UFC matches this year, some place that's going to be hosting the Super Bowl this year, a lot of things going on, you know, and, and to be able to kind of make yourself seem unique in a certain way, they, in, in their attempt to make it seem unique, they made it seem like the most corny Vegas show ever. Well, then let's just go. Uh, let's just go as hard as you can. Let's put like a loop on the Vegas track and let's see if the cars can truly, in the actuality, drive upside down. Yeah, just have like fucking axle red, like in the middle of, of it all, just like shredding while these guys are racing, you know, just like. Yeah, like just like thousand, Mad Max style. Just like, yeah, like, like a thousand miles above the ground. Yeah, do something dope as fuck, like fire going off everywhere. Yeah. Like maybe Travis Scott's like choking a baby. Like, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> just, just, just something, right? Like I don't need them coming up on a platform with both drivers just holding their hands and standing there with like fucking people announcing their names. Like I, that, that doesn't be my me. last negative comment is that like that whole Bellagio thing was so unnecessary. Like they drove all the way to the Bellagio to stand in front of the fountains so that they could get pictures, but it was so dark and the camera was so focused, like, you know, like, close lens on their faces you couldn't even tell where they were or that the Bellagio was there and then the drivers were done getting ready to leave and they were like wait 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 they're gonna do a special water show for you and they started playing the formula one uh theme song with a with the water show and the drivers just immediately ignored it and went back to talking about the race between each other it was like so obvious that they were like this is so stupid so just stop forcing things that aren't interesting that's my last comment on the Vegas shenanigans. Yeah, I feel like if I, if I go any longer, it's just going to be another laundry list of shit that I have to say about Vegas. But look, all that being said, I do want it to work out. Chris, take us out. Yeah, guys, like it's a little bit bittersweet. Obviously, you know, the, the season is coming to an end. Like we had the super hype of Las Vegas. We have one race to go. Uh, Shame and I will definitely be covering that. And uh, whatever happens, happens for the end of the season. And then hopefully we'll be able to bring you some sort of end of the year recap and uh, our hopes for next season. But like we said, guys, we've d- we're doing this because we're super into it. Uh, we want to help bring this to more and more fans, uh, but I'm tired of being nice and asking you, but I'm going to tell you now, like subscribe, follow, tell your friends. We want to bring this to more people. We want to get a bunch of feedback, send us questions, reach out to us. We're going to be launching more things for next year more socials send us questions send us comments send us feedback at fanteamradio at gmail.com we look forward to keep doing this to you for many years to come uh but for now vegas is done we're on to abu dhabi and we will see you guys next week. pretty pretty please see you guys Well done.